Hello, welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I am your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have on the phone Mr. Chris Sheridan. How are you doing, sir? Doing great today. Another day. <laughs> two, two, I don't know what day it is. It's just another it's it's today. That's what day it is. That's my new calendar. Every day says today on it. Today. Every day is today. That's that's a good point. We are in some strange times, as we spoke about uh, many times, and strange times call for strange shows. So today on this show, we're going to do what we're calling the spiritual grab bag challenge. What is that, you ask? We don't no really, idea. we don't really know. <laughs> but what, but what it roughly entails is Chris and I challenging each other with with strange things that we either find in our our office where we're doing the show things off the top of our head or what have you so we're just going to go back and forth and come up with some different subjects in random ways more or less that we're going to speak on for as long as we speak on them so we're trusting that the uh that the spirit moves through us and guides us to stuff that's going to be valuable for you guys to hear but this is one of these things where I think it's kind of in the spirit of, of where we are right now. It's like, what, you know, better time to experiment with some kooky stuff than when you're locked in a house for, you know, a month and a half. So uh, with that, with that being said, that's what we're talking about today. Uh, so thank you for joining us on the Cosmic Eye Show. Please uh, support us if you can at anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye. And also, if you can, please share us on your social media. We could really use your help in getting the word out there and expanding the show and reaching more people. Uh, raising that level of consciousness that we're all trying to do in our own lives and kind of sharing that and spreading that out there and make the world a little better place, uh, sharing this esoteric wisdom, spiritual understanding, religious thought, symbolism, mythology, etc. that we talk about here on this show. Uh, so thank you very much for all of you who are supporting us, especially during these difficult times. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, those of you who are contributing monthly to us through anchor.fm. Uh, slash cosmic eye there's a there's a donation button on there and, and many of you are supporting us and we really appreciate that so thank you guys god bless uh, all right let's just jump right into this do you want to start or do you want me to start do you have an idea i do okay then yes, you start yes. you start <laughs> and then i'll come up with something hopefully to to say about that subject okay. and of course it sparks the conversation so the spiritual grab bag rule number one is I'll you give me something I'll talk about it and feel free to jump in because okay. it's a because it's a conversation so, so kind of go. a round table grab bag so it's a round table <laughs> grab bag there you go okay well oh the first item pulled from today's <laughs> grab bag uh is this let me ask you Jason what uh was the book uh that if it indeed was a book um that was sort of the gateway maybe not necessarily an entry point but when you read this book uh that you go ah yeah now i'm really connected with you know symbolic metaphysical uh esoteric um you know ancient wisdom mystical kind of knowledge to the point to where you go yeah you know this is this is a little more than an interest this is something that yeah, I'm really going to dedicate some studying and probably some decades toward. Okay. That's going to be a multi-part, a multi-part okay. answer. So the first 
the first book that opened up spirituality in any way was was the Bible. So, you know, when I was young, even though I didn't go to church, I was still interested in the Bible. Uh, and I was reading the, the New Testament and Old Testament. However, you know, there were there were some some sort of limitations because I didn't know much about it. And also, you know, there's a sort of orthodox understanding attached to most of the biblical stories that's sort of, you know, pervasive in culture. So that was kind of a basis, let's say, right? That's a basis. And also I had watched movies like the 10 commandments and, you know, obviously the greatest story ever told in these different classic movies. Um, but really the, the thing that opened up the idea of, more than that or a less literal interpretation than that was was the Napoleon Hill book Think and Grow Rich. I had the good fortune of finding that book when I was like 11 years old and I still have this copy of it. It's an old dog-eared yellowed no cover, you know, paperback um that was my uncle's and he passed away. So I greatly treasured this book. He passed away when I was young. He was my, my favorite uncle. Um, well, I mean, I shouldn't say that he was my favorite uncle. My, all my uncles are my favorite uncles. But he was, he was the one that kind of was the most spiritual. He was a hippie. And he kind of had an interesting way of looking at life. And, you know, even though he, he, he was a pretty conservative guy, but uh, he still had this sort of hippie outlook on things. And he was, and yet he was an entrepreneur and, and, and so forth. Um, so I had that copy of that book and I read that thing from cover to cover 50 times at least when I was young. And, and like I said, still, still, uh, still look at it, but it really, for me, that idea that, um, thoughts become things. And the idea that, you know, Napoleon Hill really stressed the idea that dogmatic religion was, was pretty, uh, was pretty destructive in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, this idea of hellfire and brimstone. And that was a lot of the Christianity that I was and that I was sort of, uh, I had experienced when I was young. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, that idea that, there's this belief and faith ideal and this sort of general spirituality that can be applied that, you know, contains uh, something, something, something more that really did open things up to me. And then after that, after that, honestly, it was one of the biggest things that opened up my mind to the, uh, the comparative ideas was not a, was not a book but it was watching uh, Joseph Campbell on PBS with Bill Moyers and watching The Power of Myth. Um, and I think that that must have been 1984, 85, something like that, right, when that came out. Um, I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but I remember seeing it on PBS when I was a kid. I must have been 15 or 16 years old at the, at the very earliest. And then that really opened up the idea of comparative study for me. And, and the idea that there were these universal and archetypal ideas that were running throughout these stories. That really kind of shattered the idea that there's only one way of looking at things or, you know, one, one truth, quote unquote, even though there is one truth, it wears many faces. You know what I'm saying? That those sorts of ideas came out of that. And then Vedanta and some of these other ideas and Zen traditions and so on came from that. But uh, that's kind of the trajectory, if that makes sense. 
It does. Interesting. Uh, did I did I take on that? Did yeah. I sort of sort of follow that a little bit? I mean, I gave you more. I gave you three things, but I think they yeah. they, they led. They well, led. It, it is a process. I mean, one can open a door. The other one can kind of pull you into the door, and you know, the other one can really send you off on. Well, and it comes full path. It comes full circle too, because now I'm going back and I'm really doing a lot of Bible study and I'm looking at things esoterically and comparatively. And it really opens up scripture when you start to look at it in, in company with and in conversation with other, uh, other traditions, other ideas, you know, ancient wisdom traditions, the hermetic traditions and so on. And you can see some of the similarities and shared ideas um, in, in it. And then it re- it really opens it up for, for me. So it's kind of come full circle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So here's mine for you. Okay. This may or may not work. I don't know. We're going to try it though. Well, do you want me to kind of respond to what I, you know, answer oh, that yeah, one sorry. as well? I can give you my, Please do. my take on it. See, I'm already um, and then maybe the you can think of, think of one for me then. Uh, I'll give you a little time. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I guess going all the way back um, as a young child, before I was 10, um, we always had a lot of art books and history books. So there was all the Egyptian symbolism and all the pictures and the pyramids and it seemed like the more exotic uh, stuff I was fascinated with. I didn't understand at all. Um, but I remember um, The Little Prince being a book that my parents had. And, uh, you know, it's the, the small paperback version of it. And, you know, you see this little kid and he's on a, you know, it's got stars and an asteroid and planets and uh, on the cover and it's a cartoon. And I thought, wow, this is perfect for me. I'm a little kid and I like space because this would have been during the, the you know, the space, uh, space age, uh, the late 60s. And it, I didn't understand it, but I knew there was, you know, there were some pictures and I knew it was wise. I knew there was like, why my parents have this kids book kids looking book um and then uh you know and not be able to it's not for kids anyway so it was a little confusing but i knew it was you know there was a whimsy and but i knew there was something wise about it uh i didn't exactly know what so that that one always kind of stuck with me as being um you know something of interest uh but i never really had a bible thing um at all, you know, it was kind of brought up with, you know, kind of an intellectual attitude more than, um, you know, anything spiritual. It was open, but we never really went to anything religious at all. Um, you know, we would have a Seder dinner uh, over Passover, even though we weren't um, Jewish. My stepparents, after my parents got remarried, were, and that continued, but it was more about the food and family and stuff. It really, you know, the religious, even doing something like that that's inherently religious was you know the religious part was was really secondary or or not even there for me um but you know as time went on i um i kept seeking i kept searching never really looked at you know the bible kind of looked elsewhere if it had anything to do with the big three religions um i just automatically dismissed it and so the more weird and everything and my mom did tm in the 70s um and I was, wasn't allowed to go or participate, uh, but I, I knew it was kind of important, but I also felt kind of left out. So when, boy, 1984, I, I ran into the, uh, the silver mind control method. Um, that's when I first developed a meditation practice. 
uh, and, and one that worked. And some of the things I read in the first 30 pages of that book are still with me today. Um, so that was really big. That kind of gave me a toehold and it opened up a whole lot of other things. I was reading, you know, Suzuki or something on Zen or um, anything I could really get my hands on uh, until I finally found uh, the Tao of Physics. And that one for me, because it satisfied my scientific and skeptical uh, mind at the same time, it also fed my deep need for spiritual, um, you know, mystical or something. Cause I've always, you know, had been thinking about things like that. You know, the big questions in life I've, I've been really aware of since I was you know, very, very young. So this Tao of physics by uh, Friedhoff Capra um, was huge. I think this was, you know, mid eighties, 87 or something. I started reading that. And, you know, then I went to the Bodhi tree here in Los Angeles and it was just a flood from then. It was every single book. Uh, that was really the, the the gateway. I mean, at least it opened the floodgates. Um, call it that. And yes, the uh, the Campbell stuff, the Moyers Campbell stuff on PBS. Um, I got the power of myths. I think probably by eighty eight or eighty nine. I was reading Velikovsky. I mean, I went like as intense as I could. Um, you know, really off the wall stuff. You know, going to Sedona every chance I could get. And then I read a lot of Richard Bach. Um, you know, like uh, Jonathan Livingston Seagull and uh, probably more importantly, Illusions. That was another one that kind of brought back some of this personal spirituality uh, and some of the Louise Hay and Shakti Gawain. Uh, just, again, everything I could get my hands on. And uh, I just think from there, it was just an ever unfolding cascade of, of different books. And I didn't really come to mystical Christianity or anything like that until much, much later. It's like, I, I had to go to the exotic or something. I had, you know, anything that was close to home, I couldn't, couldn't stomach. Um, but then I started seeing, and you're right, I had the same experience with Campbell, um, that this monomyth, that there's, you know, a similar story told many different ways across different cultures. Uh, that got that separateness and well, this versus that, or this is different. This is exotic. This is domestic. It was like, ah, maybe there's a, you know, a real truth to all of these things. And, you know, and that's where I am today. So nice. A um, little similar, but yeah, the Tao of physics that hit me at the right time. Um, I was ready for it because I had been prepared enough. Um, but I think that's what I needed. It was like the, that was the catalyst. In a way, it was the beginning, but it's also the last domino that needed to fall. Um, is that because he made such a direct relation between physics, quantum physics, and you know, so I was learning physics and science uh, even more than I already knew. As in the same book that I was learning about the I Ching and you know, Hindu traditions and you know, different things that he was using to. He was juxtaposing these two things, you know, the same, what a scientist, Nils Bohr, Heisenberg might say, and then something from Vedanta or Bhagavad Gita. And I was like, oh my God, it's almost the same sentence. Um, I needed that, not just within a comparative, you know, philosophy or religion, but I had, I had to balance, I think, the scientific thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that's weird. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a similar trajectory in a lot of ways. And, you know, the Tao of physics fits into mine as well, but it was a different thing because I wasn't uh, very scientifically oriented when I was young. I was always kind of more mystical and, 
intuitive, I guess. So science didn't really appeal to me as I, when I was young. But then as I got older, I realized like, well, wait, there's, there's more to this. And then when I read Tao of physics and I, I was like looking at it the opposite way, I'm like, oh, this kind of contextualizes science for me now. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So well, it was almost, I guess it works both it ways. Works huh? Both ways. But isn't it interesting, <laughs> nice. though, too, how, you know, your trajectory kind of it kind of goes full circle in a lot of ways, you know, that you start you start, you know, and I, I think, too, it's like one of these things where you kind of come back to where you were in some ways, but with a different attitude. It's interesting how the same thing can have such a different uh, a different fee- look and feel and experience when you have uh, more, more kind of knowledge and more exp- experience in your life. Um, so I find that quite interesting. All right, let us wrap that up and then I will come up with something. And speaking, I think speaking of the Bible, here's what I'm going to do. Do you have a Bible anywhere near you? I have, um, well, Hmm. If you do not, maybe I have a Bible app on my. Uh, don't even worry about it. Let us, let's okay. let's do this. I'm going to do okay. a bit, a little bit of what they call bibliomancy. Basically, bibliomancy. bibliomancy. I am going to say, what is best for Chris to talk about right now on our show, and then I'm going to leave it up to to the Spirit to lead me to the right passage. I'm going to open this Bible. I'm closing my eyes. I'm going to open this Bible. I'm going to point at something and then we'll, then we'll have you talk about it. And then I'll back it up. Hopefully I'm not going to say, hopefully I trust that it will be what we need to talk about. Here we go. Bang. I'm open. All right. Here's where I landed. Here's where I landed on. Wow. Okay. On Micah chapter four, verse 12. Interesting. Interesting. It's I don't know. I I don't don't know it either. So I'll I'll never even heard of it. I'm I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. (laughs) Well, Micah is one of the minor prophets uh, in the in the Old Testament. So Micah has to say in Micah four, verse 12, but they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan that he has gathered them as sheaves to the threshing floor. I'll go into the next section, too, because this is 13. Arise and thresh, O daughter Zion, for I will make your horn iron and your hoofs bronze, and you shall beat in pieces many peoples and shall devote their gains to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord and the whole earth. Wow, that's heavy. So let us try. I'll, I'll, I'll read that one again. Okay, it's Micah 4 what? 4, 12, and 13. Okay. Let's just do 12, actually. Let's just do 12. Let's do 12. Chapter 4, verse 12. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan, that he has gathered them as sheaves to the threshing floor. But then after that, so what's going to arise and thresh, O daughter Zion? For I will make your horn iron and your hoofs bronze. So essentially what's happening is that he's gathering them as sheaves to the threshing floor. That's the, the... those who do not know, and then they rise up and are, are actually are actually have, have something to teach and share and gain and so on. So we'll look at 12, though. So just to understand, sheaves, does that mean like... I think sheaves, of, sheaves of wheat that are going to the That's threshing floor. Basically what you're doing on the threshing floor is beating that 
the wheat into the kernels that can be used. And then they're going to, so they winnow out all of the, uh, the unusable parts of the wheat, and then they're left with the valuable grain. So it's a, so it's before the chaff and the wheat are separated. It's, it's, it is. Well, when you're, when it's gathered and it's in sheaves and it's going to be put on the threshing floor, the threshing floor is where they beat it and they, and it's, Mm -hmm. and the winnowing takes place of all the crap that comes up off of it. And then they're left with the, with the, the, with the valuable uh, seed uh, that they're going to use for, for, uh, for the breads. So, so that's the, that's, it's, it's very, you know, kind of a similar idea to the, to, to what they have in the new Testament in a way. In a way. So anyway, that's uh, so, so yeah, that's, let's do it. Let's do it. Right. Please, please, <laughs> right. please start. I don't know what any of that means, I, but I'm just going to go with it. Just, uh. you know, let's go with, go with your heart, man. Let it, okay. let it flow. Um, so those that don't know the Lord or his advice or counsel, um, it, interesting metaphor with, you know, beating, <laughs> beating the, uh, but it's really beating the good stuff out of you. That's kind of what I'm getting out of that. It's not like you're trying to, you know, beat the Lord into these mm-hmm. people. It's, it's you're you're drawing out, you know, the real uh, definition of the word, you know, educate, you know, educo, to to pull out, to draw out that which is already there. So the the wheat, the good pieces, um, are there. They're just not, you know, visible or useful if they're encased in the in the rest of it and. Um, and it has to be separated um, and leave their substance onto the Lord of the whole earth, consecrate their grain. So I guess that's saying, you know, with the, in each one of us, there's wheat and chaff, chaff, the stuff you don't want, um, that uh, the seed, literally, I guess in this case, you know, the seed, the grain um, is already there. It just needs to be coaxed uh, or prodded out. Um, in such a way. So I guess to me, that means that it's, you know, we all have hope. There's hope for every single one of us. Uh, but what is this catalyzing act? So with the, the wheat, you know, you're, you're whacking it on the threshing floor, as you're saying. Um, so some action needs to take place where you go from having this concealed uh, part of you that needs to be exposed and revealed uh, which is, you know, any kind of, you know, metaphor you have where somebody's, you know, dead and they need to uh, arise or they're asleep and they need to awake um, or, you know, what is, you know, imprisoned and needs to be set free. Uh, there are so many parables and metaphors and allegories and all kinds of scriptures uh, that have even sleeping beauty. You know, it's it was there. It was just asleep. It just needed to. Uh, come back out into its own. Um, so that's a, you know, I, I think of a lot of those other stories, mm-hmm. you know, that are like that. But again, going to the you know, the simple truth that whether they're you know dead in us or asleep in us or concealed or in the shadow or you know wherever they are, something you know needs to be you know you shake the tree and then the, the you know the apples fall down. I mean, there's you know, literally when they you know, pluck things from orchards and things, you know, not every tree, but there are some that, you know, there's this machine that comes by and just <laughs> shakes the tree and uh, the fruit falls off. Um, so, you know, a shake up and I can certainly think of, you know, the, you know, 
a spiritual emergency, which is really an emergence, part of the emergency. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, through, you know, a crisis or a difficulty or something, a lot of times, you know, the broken pieces, that's where the light shines through, that something has to be cracked, you know, the shell uh, has to be roused, uh, awakened, um, you know, within, um, instead of this, you know, being poured in from above, uh, I guess the above being the, the larger, the more wise, you know, part of, of the universe um, does know that that's in you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, would otherwise, why would, why would they bother threshing uh, if, if you wouldn't think there's you know, any grain in this wheat? Great point. Great point. Um, so I guess that's just off the cuff. That's, that's good stuff. Heard, but yeah, it's, no, uh, that's, and it's hard, you know, now that I could look at the whole, the whole section, it, it makes more sense. Um, it, you, you're, you're on, on track actually in, in a different way that I think is interesting, but uh, it's kind of a, actually a, so I'm looking at the, at the notes on the bottom and it's, it is, it's sort of a prophetic announcement of salvation. The nations are coming to wage war against Zion, but Zion, according to God's divine plan will prevail against them. So if you think of Zion, you know, historically, obviously that's, uh, that's, you know, that's Israel. It's a nation of, uh, of, uh, you know, it's a Jewish nation. So, um, but in this particular case, What's happening says now many nations are assembled against you saying, let her be profaned and let your, let your eyes gaze upon Zion. That's her enemies, but they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan that he has gathered them as sheaves to the threshing floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter Zion, for I'll make your horn iron and your hoofs bronze that you shall beat in pieces many people. So it's, it's kind of a war cry in a sense that they'll, that they'll be vindicated against their enemies. But it's interesting though, that, that, the, the idea of the sheaves and the threshing floor, it's, you know, there is a, there's a winnowing and there's a, there, you, just like you said, there's a, there's a recognition in that metaphor that there's something, there's something at the heart. So even though they're beating their enemies, there's a, there's a threshing happening. And, and, as, and you think about it, it's, it, you know, spiritually speaking, it's this idea that there's, you know, a holy spark or a divine spark in everyone, even if you're battling them, there's something to be sort of, uh, there's something to be be found in there, and even in even in one's enemies. But you know, this these, this this metaphor of you know the sh the the threshing floor and all that's used widely throughout the Bible. Obviously, during this time, most most people were farmers and they understood these metaphors in a different way than 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 we would. But they're still valid today. And like you said, I think if you look at it as this heart of something um, that you know you're you're so you're putting these this grain on the ground, you're sort of beating it you can kind of look at that as the trials and tribulations of life. And it's sort of the a purification or almost an alchemical process that's going on to kind of find this alchemical gold or this little, you know, or the wheat that's actually within this, you know, there's all this extra plant matter and it's, you know, all this stuff that's dried up husks and things like that, that needs to uh, be removed. And you can think about that in that sort of way where it's like, there's a purification process going on too. Right. And you could think of that as almost even like in, if you don't think of the battle metaphor, but if you think about going out and teaching, looking for those seeds of wisdom or the seeds of divinity within everyone that's out there and, you know, treating even people that seem to be your enemies, that they have that seed of divinity with them and trying to help that to emerge in some way or another, even if sometimes you have to stand in confrontation against people is, you know, that's that's a that's a kind of, you know, a holy way of going into things. 
you know, where you remove the anger and the, you know, and the fears and the, and all of that from it. And you come from even in positions where you have to act, you know, in a confrontational way, you know, it's done from a spirit of love to, to help to, for that, you, you know, to help that, that to you to find that divine spark in that other person, first of all, but then to help them find it as well, not to force that on them, but to allow it to unfold. So anyway, interesting thoughts. And that was a difficult one. You did a great job. Thank you. So I hope. Thanks for the. Well, it is a challenge. This <laughs> is the grab bag challenge. So I hope you got something kooky for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, quick question: Are you in your office? I am indeed. Okay. Um, okay. Close your eyes. Okay. They are closed. Uh, are you in a swivel chair? I am not, but I can spin. Okay. <laughs> I can spin, spin on my chair. I can make a. I can make a. I can. If I go to the right, there's more stuff. I'll just tell you that. Okay. Uh, sit in your chair, close your okay. eyes, take a half turn to the right. Okay, I'm going. Hold on. There I go. Raise your right hand. Okay. It's up. Open your eyes. And the first thing you see okay. that you focus on first thing. The first thing I see. Oh, this is fantastic. The first thing I see is a, is a lantern. I've got a little a lantern. black lantern. Yeah. A symbolic like what do you mean like lantern it's like a camping a, thing or like no, an old railway lantern it's, it's new shieldy. but it's styled like an old like an old lantern that you would hold it's about uh eight inches high it's got glass around it it's uh you you, you, you can put a candle in it and then it protects the candle from the wind basically uh, but but I just needed to get a, a visual or it's read on black. the lantern because it's important. Yeah. I mean, I think it's. I'll it's tell you important. what it looks like. It looks okay. What does it do for you? What's the give? Give me what's it bringing? I'm going to tell you, you exactly what it reminds me of and right. why I have it. It it reminds okay. me of it reminds me of the uh, the tarot card uh, the hermit and he's holding the lantern with the light in it, oh. standing on the mountaintop with the lantern out in his hand, uh, holding that light. And what it is for me, it's, it's symbolic. It's an idea of, we've talked about this many, many times, and I don't know about on the show, but in our personal lives, certainly, uh, sharing this idea of the ancient wisdom as being a sort of a lantern, um, you know, sharing that light of the ancient wisdom. It's really something you're kind of just carrying forward. It's not something you're inventing. It's not something that you're even necessarily responsible for. It's almost like uh, how I think of it, like a, like a marathon. So you've been past the, the baton and it's your time to run with it. And, you know, you're entrusted with it for that period of time and you want to share it, you know, as best you can. But it, it is a thing unto itself also, which it, it's just kind of reminding me of the idea of the ancient wisdom, the golden thread that runs throughout all these traditions, the, you know, the archetypal truths that are in them, that there's something that goes way back that we are responsible for carrying forward in the work that we're doing. And I think you feel the same way as well. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but it r reminds me of, of that, uh, that responsibility, but also that privilege uh, to be able to do this kind of work each week and to be able to share some of these symbolic ideas. Also the, the hermit tarot card uh, reminds me of um, reminds me of Led Zeppelin because I had a great uh, old Led Zeppelin t-shirt with the hermit on it. And I don't remember where, where did they use that? Was that on the cover of an album or was that just a t-shirt that they had? Do, do you know? I don't know because the, the, you know, the hermit or the, you know, the old man alone um, is really the one from Zeppelin four. He's got that bag of sticks on his back. Yeah, right? exactly. That's, that's, 
I don't have my collection. No, but, but it's. Uh, it, but was it inside that one, or because I, I I do associate that with Zeppelin it's, too. Maybe it is the T-shirt. I don't know, but it had to have been some. It was either. Yeah, I think I, I I'm pretty sure I know it was a T-shirt because I had one. But was it on an album? I don't even think it was. I think partially. Mm. I think obvious. Not even partially. I think probably largely it comes from from Jimmy uh, Jimmy Page's interest in the occult. Uh, in in Alistair oh, Crowley yeah. and his love for tarot. I mean, he was a huge fan of Crowley yeah. and tarot in general, and I think that the hermit for him kind of symbolized that wise man. You know, if you, I, well, he he bought his old place. He right? did, Didn't yeah, he? exactly. But Crowley's castle. He did. Well, I do know from the movie the song remains the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, mostly concert footage, but they kind of had little segments uh, for each one of the four. Um, that was, you know, like Robert Plant's, like, you know, in a moss-covered, misty, you know, ye olde cottage, yeah. and he's out in the woods. You know, that kind of looks like him. I think John Bonham had a dragster that he was driving. Oh, God, that's, that's right. Crazy personality. But Jimmy Page, his segment was, it was somebody climbing a mountain that had a lantern. I think, was You're it absolutely that? right. That's correct. Up? Yeah, there my memory no made, you're right you it know, was like a know, fantasy but... sequence and it was you're ex- exactly right that's correct i just i just watched okay. that about a year ago um all right yeah that's a good call so yeah so that lantern so led zeppelin zeppelin like and then and and the hermit wrong. man <laughs> the her- all right i would say that, that my two favorite cards in the tarot deck i mean at this point in my life are the magician and the hermit so, you know, the hermit, uh, the hermit, of course, if you, you know, if you, I'm sure you, you know, most people listening have seen it, but if you haven't, you know, it's a classic wizardy looking character. He's hooded and he's bearded and he's, and he's carrying this lantern out in front of him. He's at the top of this sort of desolate mountain. And he's, you know, the idea is, is that he's lighting the way for you to make your way up the mountain because he's already gotten there. And I think that's a cool thing too. And so I like that idea that there's somebody that's already made it there that's, you know, helping light our way. And I think that's what this ancient wisdom is. And people like, you know, Manley Hall and Paul Foster Case and, you know, countless teachers, Israel Regardi and Crowley and, you know, any any of these 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 esoteric teachers and so on uh, that, that we talk about, uh, you know, Dr. Jung and I mean, the modern folks and even a lot of the modern New Age people, they're all part of this same same tradition of this ancient wisdom sharing. And it's, you know, this lantern for me, you know, really does kind of symbolize carrying that forward. Do you have anything else to add to the lantern idea or shall I come up with something else? Uh, yeah, you pretty much I would have said some of the same things. Um, yeah. And you tend the, the light, you tend the lantern, you keep the fire burning. That's kind of your job. Uh is to a keep it lit and b keep it uh, high <laughs> to where you know it can be useful like a lighthouse or or anything like that and i like what you said i wouldn't have said this but i like what you what you brought into that that um uh that the, the light isn't really you <laughs> um it was kind of there before you it's very elemental of the four you know ancient elements um uh, that it's but but it's it's your job to do something with it it should brighten your life and you should hold it out to where others um, can also find their own light or, you know, be drawn to it or something. So there's a, a, a task and a responsibility involved, but it doesn't mistake the, uh, the light from the, the light uh, keeper or confuse mm. the two. Good call. 
Good call. You know, you still have a job. You still have to speak and write and lecture or preach or you know whatever you you do to get you know sing a song or something to get your your light across or the light that you've been entrusted with. Um, but it's kind of a transient thing that you have this temporal, very important responsibility. Um, but it it's not the guru that is the light. The guru's job is to shine the light. Good call. Share absolutely. The light. Yeah. So, and you know, and I think that's one of the important things that we've forgotten today. That, for example, artists and spiritual teachers and visionaries and so on, you know, will will get hung up on some of their personal lives and their hangups and issues. And did they do this or that, or were they this or that kind of person, and so on. And you really do have to just kind of move beyond the the, the human realm and look at the information that's being shared a lot of times, you know, almost think about these people as being like actors in a role. You don't really worry about the actors so much as, as the part that they're playing. And so when people are the role of the guru or the teacher or the, you know, the wise one or what have you, and they're sharing that information that's timeless and eternal, listen to the timeless eternal information and don't get hung up on the, the carrier of that and the sharer of that information. You know what I mean? I think that's a big thing. We've forgotten that. And we're, we, we've, you know, we oftentimes in, in these modern days, we're more interested in tearing someone's personal character down than listening to the wise words they have to say. Um, and that becomes... Because they can be two very different uh, things. It's a really good distinction. Because sh- if you look at the personality of, of the preacher or something they do in their daily life and you go, oh, well, then his words are meaningless. It's like, well, maybe not. Um, or the other side of that is, oh, his words are so amazing. He must be amazing. But maybe he or she isn't all that amazing, but it doesn't mean that what they're doing with the, the mm-hmm. light isn't valuable. And there's, and, you know, yeah. The... And there's many people that do have that, that sort of integrity, you know, it does actually, does mm-hmm. actually, you know, they, they're, they're. Uh, they're both both of those things are there, but but so I'm saying to get hung up on the sort of human side of things and miss the the divine message that yeah. people are trying to share. I think uh, I think we do ourselves a disservice with that. All right, so let us move on to uh, the probably the final thing. Actually, we're about 40 minutes into this, so we'll we'll do this. We'll keep, keep going. going. I have got. Let's see. Let me come up with something right off the top of my head. Oh, okay. Here's the thing. Um, you have a Manly Hall picture. I know you do. Uh, grab, gra- yep. Either grab it or look at it. And uh, just tell me about Manly Hall and uh, what he uh, okay. and maybe some information that he might share with us while we're on uh, while we're on this lockdown time. OK, well, you got about four or five hours. <laughs> I got yeah. I got about 20, 20 minutes. started so right away. <laughs> 20 minutes. OK. All right. <laughs> Okay, so Manly P. Hall, for those who don't know, uh, 20th century, uh, lived in Los Angeles, was active from about 1920 to 1990, uh, wrote The Secret Teachings of All Ages, which is this perennial, you know, very wide, it's like a magic book. It's a, it was a big, big book with big color plates and all that. There's also a reader's version out now. It's the, an accumulation or encyclopedic um, kind of collaboration of, of a lot of, we were talking about comparative mythology or comparative religion. 
This is that, but it's basically comparative philosophy. So it includes really any kind of ancient wisdom or uh, symbolic systems, whether it's, you know, the Greeks and all their gods or the Nordic ones, mostly Western um, with this book. And he uh, just had a way, really an enigmatic person. I don't really know much about him, even though I worked uh, and, you know, basically lived at the Philosophical Research Society that he started um, in 1934. And I know his work. Anyway, you were um, there. You were there maybe, for almost 12 years. I think we talked about that before, but you were there from, from what were your dates? Yeah, a little over 12 dates, years. Roughly? Yeah. Uh, like 02, 03 till uh, about 2015, okay. maybe when I officially left, although the, the work for me has continued um, since then, you know, exploring his work and, you know, sharing, sharing it on uh, online and uh, cleaning up some old audio tapes and making them more fit for uh, consumption, putting them up on YouTube. Manly Hall, Manly um, Hall Society he's been, uh, on, on YouTube. Yes. On YouTube, yeah. Manly Hall Society. Yes. You look for that and they're uh, kind of, you know, handpicked and curated. They're also ones that aren't, there are hundreds of them on, on YouTube. Uh, the ones that I've selected and uh, posted are ones that I don't think anybody else has. And if somebody else has or put them up, my version is better. I've cleaned up the audio and, um, you know, maybe got a more original source material to work with. Um, people send me stuff and it's just, I'm just overwhelmed with uh, the amount of material, because this guy spoke constantly. You don't need a biography of this guy. Just look at his speaking schedule. And he spoke you know, at least twice a week for 70 years, uh, sometimes every night, sometimes more than once at a time in a day. And anything and really everything um, with you know, symbolic, whether it's you know, myths or fairy tales or... Um, you know, ancient and current. Uh, he spoke about Gandhi while Gandhi was still alive. Uh, in that time, he was an astrologer. But regardless of all that, <laughs> or I think the important thing with all that, it's not that he had such an intellect or he had uh, you know, some connection to, you know, all this material that he could speak off the cuff for an hour, hour and a half at a time and never search for a, a word or something to say didn't look at notes or anything when he spoke and it's clearly formed sentences, although some of them were very long because he had that older oratory style that was, I think, more fashionable uh, 50, 60 years ago than, than it is now. It wasn't quite so much broken down into bullet points and sound bites. You would just listen to somebody speak and it was the tone of the voice and the sound and then the words and whatever happened to connect you know, with you, you know, it is what you might latch on to not, Oh, you got to look at this, got to look at that. He just kind of left out a platter of, of things to sample. Um, but the fact is that, you know, talk about being a light bearer. He dedicated his life and he was 20 and he spoke until he died. It, I mean, he literally died in between speaking engagements when he was 89 years old. Uh, so, you know, a, the importance that he must have felt to do that in his, you know, position. Um, but he would put all this stuff in such a way that just made sense. And there's, I get so many comments on the, the YouTube that people are like, oh my God, this is, I can't believe this stuff is 60 years old. It's like, this is the stuff we need today. So he 
although he was drawing from you know ancient wisdom, um, he put it in a 20th century kind of way, which is still valid <laughs> today. Um, but it just, it's like a, it, he kind of made it timeless again, okay? He was able to digest a lot of this stuff and put it in a context or in a speech, uh, a lecture that uh, you could really get something out of it. So that's been influential, inspiring for me, uh, you know, to, to do work like that, uh, that although there were, you know, an infinite amount of traditions that he spoke about, it seemed, um, they all kind of pointed towards the same message yeah, in that we have, you know, there's more to us than meets the eye. Uh, you know, we're stronger spiritual uh, beings uh, than, you know, maybe other religions <laughs> would have us believe. Um, and that really the onus of responsibility uh, for your own salvation and to help others and the rest of the world lies on your own shoulders. Uh, although you're not on your own, <laughs> um, because there's, the wisdom is there, and that's why he represented it. A lot of it was, you know, sacred knowledge, and there may have been a time in history if he would have spoken about those things, he would have been either a heretic or, um, you know, divulging the secret <laughs> wisdom um, when he shouldn't, uh, you know, through some oath, but he made it current and available when uh, Carl Jung wrote his uh, part on uh, alchemy and psychotherapy, he borrowed alchemy books from, from Manley Hall. So all about personal transformation, unfolding that light, that wisdom uh, that's within, and that real change, real effectiveness really has to come from the inside out. But we're not a separate being on our own that, oh gosh, I have to do this all on my own. There is a thread. There is, like you said, this golden thread or whether it's Akashic Records or you're just part of this, you know, collective um, that we maybe know more than we know that we know. If we would just listen to ourselves and get quiet and from that, you know, more centered place, approach the world and our lives and, and those around nice. us. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah, no, let me, let me to, also ask you this um, then, just stuff, because a couple of things were popping into my head as you were speaking. Um, favorite, favorite Manly Hall pamphlet, just off the top of your head. Don't go deep. Um, mysticism and Mental Healing. That's the first one. That's, that okay. Up. okay. It would have been a lecture, um, but I think it was... Um, it was transcribed in the 50s, late 50s. This would have been part of that search for reality. It was a 10-part, um, I think it was called Mysticism and Mental Healing. Um, a lot of his titles, um, some of them are very on the nose. If he's talking about Neoplatonism or Jakob Burme or astrotheology or something, he'll, he'll stay pretty much on topic. But some of the more general ones... Um, there's much more mm -hmm. to it than that. Um, there's another one, a blind spot, uh, the blind spot of the mind or something like that. Um, it, it goes way beyond that. And you might get something out of it that really doesn't have much to do with maybe healing or mysticism, but there's something in that subject uh, and how he covered it that 
uh, you know, it's like Joseph Campbell, I like to underline things, um, mm -hmm. you know, that stick out. So I, I try to have a secondary copy of some of these things so I don't wreck a, you know, an yeah. heirloom or something, um, you know, but, or I'll copy it, a photocopy it or something. And then, okay, I'll, I'll tear this one up and hit it with a highlighter. Um, but yeah, and that's, I think, you know, for anybody who's approaching Miami Hall, whether it's you know, listening to a audio on YouTube or reading one of these pamphlets or the larger book, like the secret teachings, just go through it. And, you know, if this doesn't make sense or that doesn't make sense, so what the next paragraph will have something that you'll go, whoa, look at that. That's, that's kind of how <laughs> it's far be it for me to tell people how to read a book, but um, but that is one way to approach Manly Hall is just, just keep listening, keep reading until that thing pops out and then stop and go, wow, okay, what does that mean? How can I, you know, why mm -hmm. did I connect with this? And why did this jump out from this, you know, sea of words? But yeah, I would, I would say mysticism okay. and mental healing. I don't even know if that's available. It probably is as a lecture note. Maybe I can, uh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to see that. Um, I think, I think I have that, um, but that'd be cool to be able to put it up. Um, I was trying to think of mine off the top of my head. And I think, I think actually the one that we did, uh, the one that we did our, we did a, a podcast on this is the uh, Malke Melchizedek and the mystery of fire. I really like, uh, I really like that one. I, I really like the, uh, mm -hmm. the early ones, the, the ones from the twenties and mm -hmm. when he was more focused yeah. on um, the occult aspect of things. I, those, those ones I find a lot of fun and I like, I like the design. Of the yeah. Covers in the 50s. And so on. Yeah. Yeah, but by the fifties, he was he was getting a little more into pop psychology, and um, you know, kind of yeah. the everyday, uh, very kind of practical uh, everyday person could could understand. Which made sense. Uh, it certainly and get made something sense. Out of, yeah, no, yeah. It, was, it was along with the times. Um, but yeah, there's something really kind of neat about those old ones. Plus, the older ones, mm -hmm. he was younger. And you know how it is. A young person yeah. you know, is full of ideas and this and this and that. And maybe it doesn't come to maturity until you're maybe, uh, I'm not so much interested in that. I'm just going to talk about, you know, these things that are very practical and every day. Uh, still deeply wise. But yeah, I would say of the old ones, um, my pick would be um, oh, Hermetic Marriage. And, and they're so dense. You know, you know how I was saying, you know, listen to the, uh, you know, the lecture and cause they didn't start recording those until the fifties um, or, you know, or read the book until something jumps out. The older ones, like you're talking about, like Melchizedek and, um, you know, this hermetic marriage, uh, it's hard to get through a paragraph without finding something <laughs> that jumps mm -hmm. out. It's very, very dense. Like one sentence could be like, oh, so much. Um, you almost have to thin that out <laughs> instead of pick through it. It's uh, and there's a lot in there, and and then the good thing is you can go back and uh, read one of those um, that maybe hadn't read in a while, and if you've been studying since then, it uh, new things will jump out, which is true of you know seeing an old movie or something, you might get something more or different out of it at a much later. Uh, Absolutely, good call, and I, you know, both of that's really I, you know, obviously Manly Hall is is, is one of my favorites as he is yours. And, you know, that's actually where, where Chris and I met at the, at the PRS. I was working in the bookstore. Chris worked there much longer than I did. I was in the bookstore uh, for a brief time. And uh, one of the neat things uh, that I remember about working there was it was very quiet when we were there often. And so 
you know, after hours or even sometimes during the day, there really wouldn't be anyone coming in. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a strange location and it's not uh, very well advertised and it's a kind of a uh, closed sort of looking little campus and stuff where uh, where the philosophical research is in L.A. It's on uh, Los Feliz. It's on a busy street, but it's kind of set up off the street and so on. Um, but it it has this uh, this wonderful uh, auditorium that's really filled with a lot of energy. And, you know, you can really kind of feel the spirit of Manly Hall, I think, in that place really intensely. Do you remember we used to go in there and, and sit up on the stage and stuff and, you know, pontificate. And sometimes we'd be talking about different subjects and thinking about teaching and talking about different different spiritual things and all that. And just remember the energy in that in that place. I found that really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially if they're like they're alone or, you know, like you said, when it's quiet, I used to call it yeah. LA's best kept secret. Um, although under the current administration, I think there's a lot, been a lot done to open it oh, up. Oh, that's great. The public yeah. And with some more every, you know, uh, of course, now when they're a little bit closed because of the, uh, the virus, but uh, hopefully that'll open up again. Um, but, you know, Manley Hall embraced every bit of technology throughout his life. Uh, he, you know, would speak live, um, you know, in the twenties, uh, he was on the radio when, you know, before there was a television, um, he had a, a stenographer, uh, take down shorthand while he was speaking and would type out the notes and, you know, mail them out, uh, did correspondence courses, then did TV, um, in Los Angeles. He was on a local TV show and then he got into computer stuff. You know, in the 80s, uh, he did albums. He had an LP, vinyl LPs in 1959 when, you know, records were obviously a thing then. But, uh, you know, he got his voice on a, on the hot wax and put it out. Then cassettes in the 80s. Um, he would have loved the Internet and uh, digital downloads and conferencing and live casting uh, because he embraced every other bit of technology, media technology, to get this out, yeah. you know, to share this light, you know, his, his lantern was was really any kind of mass media he could he could possibly uh, utilize, so people could just have access to and, this stuff. Absolutely, which was his his life. All right. Goal, well, thank you for work. sharing that. Now we are at the end of this, I think. So unless you have any parting ideas. Um, I'll kind of summarize it. So let's see. We uh, what did we do first? We did. Uh, um, what did we talk about first? What was our first subject? Oh, oh the, uh, yeah, I asked some, some gateway uh, books, some gateway, gateway spiritual books, books. That, that really right. hooked you into right. studying this. And stuff. then we yeah. we did the uh, the uh, verse from Micah, yeah, Micah, and then Micah. Uh, we talked about Manly Hall. I, I thought we would have got to much more, but it, oh, and the lantern. That's and the right. lantern. So, I thought we would have talked about six yeah. or eight things, so that proves how long-winded you and I are. <laughs> that we only that we only got to four. And yeah, well, if anybody's <laughs> ever heard this show before, they, they might gonna, actually get a sense probably of that. Already going to know that. <laughs> so, but uh, we did. But we covered that a lot of fun. stuff. I think there's a lot of you know small bits that were Absolutely. that were in there. Um, well, let me ask you this: Where do you see this going? You know, after having. Uh, it, um, consumed, I guess, these gateway books and having studied this for a long time, mm -hmm. uh, working at the PRS, uh, having a practice, spiritual practice, 
Uh, and now after what a year plus year and a half almost of doing this, uh, this podcast where, you know, it's kind of maybe look towards, uh, towards the future, you know, what's, yeah. what's next, maybe a next step. Well, Let me throw I would that like out. to talk about that. That's good. I, you know, obviously I would like to expand out, you know, what, what we're both doing online, you know, with classes and offerings and some more, um, more interactive kind of things. I, I like a lot of the ideas and things that Manly Hall did in terms of like, um, the uh the lessons that he used to send out and so forth i think it would be neat to to revitalize some of those ideas some of these um you know both on, both online having learning things but then also maybe mailing lessons i think that would could be kind of cool moving into something like that and we've talked about this a lot but i i see us definitely moving into a, a spiritual center at some point that has a physical location so that people can come out we can have different speakers we can speak there and People can come and share ideas. I'm, I, I also have the added idea of wanting to have some some gardens for medicinal herbs and, you know, to grow food and do some sustainability type experiments and try to have the thing, you know, as green as possible as, you know, a sort of living lab of that sort of lifestyle and incorporating those things together, the sustainability and the spirituality together. I think that'd be really exciting. Um you know, I'd like to be speaking out more at some of these events and meeting with some of the people that are listening to the show and so on in their own in their own cities. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, you know, and just growing sort of spiritually and internally, you know, hope, hopefully the, the, the wisdom's growing within myself and, and within you as well. I think we've been we've been growing uh, over, you know, over the last year and a half doing this show and being able to just share that to 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 a larger audience. Um, would be exciting. So, how about you? I, I would ditto all that, and um, in a physical space for me, one aspect of a physical space is the uh, kind of indoor and the outdoor. So, indoors, you know, you'd have library, classrooms, you know, workshops, uh, things of this nature, and then outdoors, maybe even an area of this physical location um, that would be open to passersby or just all hours of the night or, you know, not within the doors, but on the outside that you could still see something or get something out of it. Or um, also, I think, uh, an observatory type, um, you know, sense built mm -hmm. into the architecture or maybe on the ground, uh, like have a labyrinth or, you know, a direction pointing to where, you know, on this line, this is where the sun crosses the equatorial circle during the equinox um you know that you might find at a public observatory or something but just something built into the concrete on the you know the foyer or something that this is you know that there's these forces or these you know a mm -hmm. sundial you know to kind yeah. of connect the old and the new and a little bit of the astronomical because that that's always been a, a thing for me is you know astronomy and that's the, when i say i'm science-minded it usually has something yeah. to do with <laughs> astronomy um and out there, um, you know, maybe a telescope or have, you know, uh, observation days. Yeah. And artwork not. and statues um, and, you know, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That public art that if you, even if you were driving by, you might, Oh yeah. they've got this, you know, Egyptian thing it's, there. Yeah, for sure. I know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's because now we have, you know, all this internet and, you can really get a lot of this stuff that a hundred years ago, uh, when Manley Hall was starting out, 
he had to go all over the world and try to find a rare book that may have cost hundreds of dollars even then. And now it's a free download and you get a PDF of that same book that probably got digitized because he went out and found it in some bookstore exactly. in Paris or wherever he went. Um, but, you know, and that's fine. And that's the information and get it out. And there's lots of ways to do that. And I think he'd be happy that we're perpetuating a lot of, a lot of his work, but there is something I don't think you can really substitute it um, mm -hmm. for the physical space. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a sermon congregation thing, although that could certainly be part of it. But just yeah, the fellowship oh, and, and sharing and scholarship and yeah. you know, kind of a just being being together with like minded individuals. Oftentimes, I think people today don't don't necessarily have that because they think, well, I don't really fit into the confines of this particular church or synagogue or mosque or temple or what have you. Mm -hmm. But I have an interest in this in this material, and I have an interest in spirituality. So it's like I think the idea, like Manley Hall had, where he had a non sectarian sort of a place to study those things, um, is is an is an exciting idea. It's like you know you can have different different types of uh, religious and spiritual groups, you know, represented and sharing and teaching and so on. But it's not. Um, dedicated to any one one path really the one path would be the underlying the underlying truth the underlying ancient wisdom that's found in all those traditions right yeah right. so Very all right well if you guys are are into that you know email us or you know let us know yeah. somehow you know give us a call uh, through anchor.fm and you know share your thoughts with that as well uh you know if there's some way that that we can kind of all get together and, and create some sort of space to, to do that. That would be fantastic. So we're inviting ideas and, and suggestions and so on. So, um, you know, if you feel like you'd like to see some kind of place like that in the near future, you know, contact us at info at cosmic dot org or, uh, or through or a topic for the or show. Or if you have a topic for the show for sure. or something to explore a yeah. book or a teacher exactly. or a concept or, current event or something you know i think we're both kind of looking we've been doing this podcast for you know well over a year and um it, I, i'm longing mm -hmm. for a little bit of interaction you know i want some feedback. absolutely so yeah please um, uh please do for, share you know that we're helping shaping it for for you know others needs you know we can only take a guess but i mean i'm we're talking about yeah. a lot of things i'm interested in you are obviously this because this is what we do um but to have, you know, just to throw in some suggestions or a show topic or something, I think, uh, is very helpful. Absolutely. For us and, and, and an easy way to do that is to go to anchor.fm slash cosmic eye, and you can actually leave a message through there as well. Uh, so that's, that's something that, that anchor makes really easy. The app that we use to do the show. Uh, so you can check us out there. As I said, info, I N F O at cosmic I C O S M I C E Y E dot org. Of course, that information is, is in the uh, description of the show as well, uh, but you can reach us there. You can go through Chris's website too, uh, Chris Sheridan.com. And you've got a contact button through there as well. Right. All right. So, yeah, so I'm your host, Jason Napolitano. I thank you for joining us on our strange uh, journey. Uh, we're calling spiritual grab bag challenge. Great, uh, great mm -hmm. topics, Chris. I appreciate it. And uh, great input. Yeah, so thank, thank you. you for joining us this week. Uh, I have a book called, if you can worry, you can meditate. Um, you know, we all could use some meditation right now. So check that out. That's on Amazon. And Chris has a book called the spirit in the sky. It's a very inspiring story. Uh, Chris talks about a spiritual experience before you, 
uh, crashing the plane and then his subsequent um, healing journey and so forth and kind of brings us uh, he brings us his story it's a very uh, inspiring and informative and interesting story and I highly recommend it and that's on Amazon as well the spirit in the sky so thank you again for joining us uh, do contact us and do share us with your friends we'd really appreciate it I uh, have a great week thanks again Chris goodbye and thank God you. bless